Well, this is Remembrance Sunday. It's the day for remembering. And for over a hundred years in our nation, on this particular day, it's been commemorated in one form or another. And uh, when I was preparing for this short talk, a, a thought came to me that across our, our country, in the countryside, in villages, in towns, and cities, all over the place, they've got war memorials. And that, surely that would be the logical place to hold these remembrances. But they're not held there. They're held in churches and even non-church goers attend. And I guess there's many reasons for this. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you a few. And the biggest one probably is the first one, that it seems to be part of the great Christian story. Because I think that even subconsciously, Remembrance Sunday gathers all those stories and experiences of uh, bravery and sacrifice of anguish and loss and war and violence, and it places them in the context of the great Christian story of the violent suffering of Jesus Christ's crucifixion and the hope of our resurrection. And you know, our faith never glosses over the reality of suffering, and it's a faith we need. Everyone knows that. For example, at the beginning of World War II, the king ensured that every British serviceman or woman was given a copy of the New Testament. And here's the message that King George VI put in it. He wrote this, he said, To all serving in my forces by sea or land or in the air, or indeed to all my people engaged in the defence of our realm, I commend the reading of this book. For centuries the Bible's been a wholesome and strengthening influence on our national life, and it behoves us in these momentous days to turn with renewed faith to this divine source of comfort and inspiration. Aren't they just great words from our King? <clears throat> the second reason that I have is that it shows us another way. As well as this source of comfort and inspiration, our faith reminds us there's another way. It's the way of peace through Jesus Christ. And thirdly, our faith also teaches us that every human life is unique, is valuable. You know, if we were just the outcome of some random occurrence, then there'd be no need to sit to um, commemorate loss. There'd be no need to regret it. But we know, don't we, that the Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made by our Creator God. And I want to say today, every life matters. And fourthly, I think, is somehow we know God's with us, even in the tough times. Some, sometimes we don't feel it, I know that. But, you know, tough times actually sharpen our focus. It's very well known saying that in World War I in the trenches, they said there's no atheists in the trenches because the reality of death and life were so clear. And then fifthly, there's the resurrection. Our faith teaches the blessed promise of resurrection for true believers bought with the blood and sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll come to that when we take communion in a minute. But just before we do, I thought that as, as this is Remembrance Day and we're, we're encouraged to remember people, maybe we could give pause and give thanks for people in our own past. The Bible encourages us to remember, to be thankful, to have grateful hearts, to remember the blessings. And I was think, thinking about this maybe under, under three headings, your history, your heritage and your hope. And I'll explain that a wee bit now. Number one, the history. I'm talking here about people who had a part to play 
in your journey to faith. How did you get saved? I mean, how, how, do we, how does any of us get saved? Almost always other people are involved. So, for example, my, my gran and granddad were elders in the Church of Scotland. And um, the, my granny was really into God. She, she even had a pedal organ in her house. But after granddad died, my, my granny liked to go and see her sister in Fife. And uh, I had to go along with her, even as a wee boy and then through my teens. As a child, it was boring. Then it became even more boring as I became a teenager. I got my first car. Then I had to drive her through. And to be honest, I thought my, my uh, granny and my auntie Mary were religious nuts. While I played, they sang hymns and prayed. And in fact, when you came over the valley, the, the, the hill, sorry, and looked over the valley where her house was, there it was in isolation, and it was whitewashed. And on the end wall, there was a great big cross, and it said, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. I've recently um, been given her Bible, and it's just a fascinating tale. And in here is a, her story. This is my Auntie Mary. Saved by grace, the 13th of June, 1915. Baptized, February, 1916. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, 12th of August, 1929. The pressing on in God, 1st of January, 1936. And there's just loads and loads of notes all the way through, and especially at the end where you've got all the maps. Preparing this word, I actually discovered she ran a gospel hut as well as all this. She was just an amazing woman of God. But anyway, cut a long story short, my granny and my auntie prayed for me. And do you know what? I am the only person in my family that got saved. So today I remember them. I say, thank you, Lord. And then there was Kia's great aunt, Isabel. We thought she was, she was boring. But in fact, she actually gave her life to supporting missionaries. So much so that uh, Wycliffe College had a special service for her when she died. And it was just amazing, hundreds of people giving testimony to the support she'd given them by, by prayer, by um, a box of gifts through the post, by letters, by writing to the missionaries. And we knew from our experience, she prayed for us, she encouraged us, she sent us help even when we needed it. Even though we never advertised it, we never made it public, God spoke to her and she sent us stuff. And that's just, she's another amazing woman of God. So we say, today we remember her and we say, thank you, Lord. <clears throat> then what about church leaders? There's so many to mention, but I must honour David Pitches and Barry Kissel, who led us to the Lord, and um, they were in our first church, and they grounded us in the faith with amazing grace and incredible wisdom. And then I remember Christian leaders, great people like John Wimber, who had a big impact on me, Colin Urquhart, who died a couple of months ago, and what a faith teacher he was. So thank you, Lord, for them. We remember them today. And of course, I'm grateful for faithful friends, for family, for the people that have stood by me in my life. So I remember them today and say, thank you, Lord. So here's my question. What about you? Who will you remember? Who will you give thanks for in your faith journey, in your history today? My second heading was heritage. And um, by that, I mean the, 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 the heritage of faith we have. I want to give thanks today for the Jesus disciples who spread the gospel at the cost of their own lives. I want to give thanks for the brave missionaries who brought the gospel to our land. I want to give thanks for the unbroken line of believers through the ages 
who've passed the faith on from generation to generation. So many times it seemed like the church was facing extinction. People said the church has gone to the dogs. Well, here's the news, friends. The dogs are dead and the church still lives. Thank you, Lord, for our heritage. What about you? What about your heritage can you remember and give thanks for? And then my third heading was our, our hope. Our God is the God of hope. I think it's Romans 12 and verse 15. So why not thank the Lord for that hope? Maybe there's people that you've somehow communicated hope to, that you've influenced in some way. And I thank God today for my children and my grandchildren. The hope of Jesus lives on in them. And I have hopes for them too. And I remember and thank God for my spiritual children too. Thank you, Jesus. And I give thanks for the sure and certain hope we have in Jesus Christ. And praise God today, we know it's certain. So what about your hope? Who will you remember? Who can you give thanks for today? There's the three headings, history and heritage and hope. So today, please think about who you want to remember and give thanks for. And when we take communion, after we remember our Lord Jesus Christ, because he's central to this, you can give thanks for others too. But let's give thanks first for the peace that we have through Jesus. I mentioned earlier that before this day was known as Remembrance Day, it was known as Armistice Day. Armistice Day, the the armistice is when the the, the fighting stopped, a, a truce, a peace was called. And of course, that was such welcome news at that time. But we know Jesus Christ won peace for us, and it's so much better. Uh, And I just give you several ways in which it's better. Firstly, it's an everlasting peace. The armistice was a temporary stoppage of the fighting. It had to be renewed every 36 days. But we have everlasting peace with God through Jesus Christ. As the scripture says, our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us and God now declares us flawless in his eyes. And this means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God all because of what our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, has done for us. That's the reading from the the Passion Translation. Beautiful. So it's an everlasting peace. Can I say also it's an unbreakable peace. The armistice did not make it the war to end all wars because people break treaties, people break their word. But our God is faithful. He won't break his word. His peace with us is a forever peace. So I say thank you, Lord. And then thirdly, it's a special peace, as well as an everlasting peace, an unbreakable peace. It's a special peace. So in John 14, 27, Jesus said, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. It's not the kind of peace given by the world. It's my perfect peace. So don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. And he says, it's not like the world's peace. What does he mean by that? Well, I see two applications or explanations of that. Firstly, in its range, because Jesus' peace isn't just the absence of fighting. Jesus' peace is shalom peace. And that word shalom is a Hebrew word and it involves and it, it, it implies wholeness and soundness and goodness and well-being. It's whole. So the, that, that's, that, that's its range. is just incredible. And then secondly, it's, it's an internal peace. The world's peace is external, but Jesus brings peace in our hearts. 
And so we have peace with God. It's the peace of God that I have in my heart so I can be at peace within myself and I can be at peace with others too. And friends, this is real peace. This is forever peace. This is shalom peace. So now, as we come to communion this Remembrance Sunday, let's bear in mind that Jesus said, do this, do, do the communion in remembrance of me, in remembrance of me, to remember him. So as this worship video plays, please will you take the emblems and remember and give thanks for our Lord Jesus Christ for the price he paid to win forever peace for you and for me. And then after that, or maybe when you get home, whenever you like, we can give thanks for people in our lives who made our history, our heritage, and our hope. Let's worship as we do.